I'm Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your hosts today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today, we will be finishing up our series on the words that God spoke to each one of us for this new year, 2023. Mm -hmm. Today, we're going to talk about redemption. And our scripture for today is from Isaiah 44, verse 22. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist, Return to me, for I have redeemed you. All right, here we go. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Laura's word. It's renewed hearts, renewed minds, and then reset me. And that was the word that God gave you, right? Right, yep. And then last week, we talked about invigorate. That's the word that the Lord gave to Susan. And today, like Susan said, we're going to finish up our series on these very timely words the Lord gave all three of us. And the word the Lord gave me is redemption. So I really love how all the words the Lord gave us tie up very nicely together. Don't mm-hmm. you agree? Yeah. Yep. And it's just a wonderful presentation that glorifies our Father. So God's working very diligently right now on answering our prayers. His ecclesia have been crying out to Him, asking Him to save us, help us, deliver us from this evil, right? Yep. And He has given us signs and wonders to show us that He hears us, letting us know that our deliverance is coming. I can't wait. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know what some of these signs and wonders are, we encourage you to listen to God's prophets. There's many of them, right? Because mm-hmm. he's, he's showing things as well as speaking things to many of us. And all of these little pieces of the puzzle are adding up to the bigger picture. And eventually we will see all of it come together and the puzzle will be complete. So let's dive right into redemption and what that means for us in this new year. And we talked about this before, but I want to read the definition again, and it's from dictionary.com. Redemption means the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. And I talked about that in our last episode of 2022, but I want to touch on it again because it's important. And that is, Jesus has already redeemed every single one of us. He did that on the cross over 2,000 years ago, and our redemption, it's finished, complete, and no one can ever take that away from us. Right, right. You know, when I looked up the meaning of the word redeem, certain terms, you know, really stuck out to me. Yeah. And it's one of the, the ones that stuck out were to get or win back, to free from what distresses or harms, mm-hmm. such as, you know, to free from captivity, to extricate from or help to overcome something detrimental, to offset the bad effect of. So ext- extricate, it's really hard to say that yeah. word, <laughs> means to free or remove from an entanglement or difficulty. And detrimental means an undesirable or harmful person or thing. So when I put that together to understand the fuller meaning of what was, you know, what redeemed means for us, it would be to free from what distresses or harms us, to be freed from captivity, to be removed from an entanglement or difficulty that is detrimental, undesirable, and harmful to people or harmful to something. That's good. Right? That is yeah. good. So we know that Jesus Christ has already done the work at the cross, right, to redeem his children from their sins and remake the line that was once broken in the Garden of Eden when sin first entered the world. And we know that God's work of redemption has already been done and completed for us. So what would God need to redeem us from right now, you know, to free us from captivity, to remove an entanglement that is detrimental or harmful to us and to our society? What does God or his people need to get back what was stolen from us or to free us from that causes distress or or harm to his people. Right. You know, if I just made a list, I just kind of did this in my head. I was making a list of things, you know, that would be harmful. So I thought, okay, corruption in our political system and election process, right? Mm -hmm. Corruption of the gospel or the good news and the conflicting messages coming from God's church as in a mixture of truth and man-made ideas, which would be religion. Religion. That's good. Right. Yes. And then corruption throughout our educational system here in America, corrupt leaders in business and world financial systems. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you could probably think of, you know, many more than this, you know, that isn't being done correctly and needs a major overhaul, right? right? Yeah. But when I think about what God spoke to me concerning his word for the new year, he said, renewed minds, renewed hearts, and a reset in me. So if he's going to renew or restore his people, restore or renew his nations, with a renewed mindset in the Lord, he will do just that. And when he does, he will get back for us 
like redeeming us, he'll get back for us what was stolen or lost to us for many years and untangle the mess that the enemy has gotten us into. Wow, that's good, Laura. Yes. You know, this year's going to be exciting. I'm yes. looking forward to yes, it. Yes, it is. And it reminds me of Luke 21, 28, when Jesus says, now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Right. That's where we're headed. God is moving on behalf of his children. And even though we are going through a really tough time right now, he will get back for us what was stolen. And he will set us back on course in the right direction. Yep. Right? Yes. As both Kathy and Laura have said, the definition of redemption is the process of buying back, ransoming, recovering something by paying a price, deliverance from the enslavement of sin, and releasing a new freedom in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I feel like we are redeemed daily every morning. Yeah. Through Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, We are able to start with a clean slate, fresh every day. It's so easy to wake up and say a crossword or agree with negative thoughts or participate in road rage just as the day is beginning. Mm-hmm. But we have the opportunity to repent and turn our actions around at any moment. We can lay whatever is troubling us at the foot of the cross and leave it there, knowing that God has taken care of it. I recently read a little booklet by Kenneth Hagan called How to Forget. He mentioned in Philippians three twelve through 14, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It explains before you can go on with God, you must forgive and forget the past. Right. A good example of this is um, would be Paul. Yeah. Right? He had to forget his past as a persecutor of Christians in order to minister effectively. He had to ask for forgiveness and forgive himself. Right. We must learn to forget. If we don't learn this lesson, we'll be handicapped for the rest of our life in living for God. Another example of redemption would be Mary of Magdalene. Jesus cast out these demons from Mary, restoring and redeeming her sanity and her mental state. Mary was living life as a sinner. Following his restoration of her mind, Mary began to accompany Jesus and his followers. Mary Magdalene's redemption and subsequent life of service to Christ serve as a powerful example of Christ's love and power. Yeah. In Matthew twenty twenty eight, when the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, came to Jesus and asked the favor be granted that one of her sons be able to sit at his right hand and the other at his left, Jesus's left, in his kingdom. He told her she didn't know what she was asking, and that was not for him to grant. Right. These places belong to those for whom they have prepared by his father. That's good. Mm. Here Jesus was teaching about serving others, and he says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yeah. Jesus described leadership from a new perspective. Instead of using people, we are to serve them. It's true. Jesus' mission was to serve others, and to give his life away. A real leader has a servant's heart. Servant leaders appreciate others' worth and realize that they're not about any job. We need to pray for our leaders today for characters such as this to change the direction we're going in and that they are faithful in serving we, the people, not use or control and harm us and instead appreciate our worth by showing it. Mm-hmm. A ransom was the price paid to release a slave from bondage of sin and death. The disciples thought that as long as Jesus was alive, he could save them. But Jesus revealed that only his death would save them and the world. Yeah. You know, Jesus is our best example of redemption. But I also want to share a few other stories about redemption in the Bible that will help us understand how our God works and why he deserves glory for all that he has brought us through. So the first story of redemption I want to talk about is Noah. And that can be found in Genesis chapters 6 through 8. This story has recently become very interesting to the three of us, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the new things that we've been learning in the time before man was created and all that led up to the flood that wiped out every human except Noah and his family. And the story of Noah is one of the greatest stories of redemption in the Old Testament. God warned of a coming judgment. Noah was the only one found righteous by the Lord. And once Noah knew what God wanted him to do, Noah tried telling people that the flood that was coming was going to be a worldwide punishment. Those who who would repent of their sins and believe in the warnings of Noah were welcome to board the ark before the flood waters began to fall. And it took 120 years to build that ark. 
And after those 120 years of preaching, the only people who stepped onto the ark were Noah and his family. Everybody else ignored it. Mm-hmm. Even though there was room for many people on the ark, only eight were saved. Redemption was offered to all who were willing to repent and believe. However, few accepted the offer. Can you, sorry, can you just imagine just eight? Eight people. Eight. Right. That tells you how corrupt the entire world was wow. at that time. I mean, there's definitely not enough, as many people on earth as there is living right now back then, you know? Right. But still, that means every person was corrupted by the enemy. It must have been so scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So evil. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, scary. Noah and his family were saved because Noah loved the Lord, you know? Right. And there is so much more to that story and why he was the only one found righteous at that time. But we will share those details at a later time. We're still learning quite a few interesting stuff. And right. just so you guys will know, it's going to be mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Another really good redemption story in the Bible is the story of Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. He wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament, and his conversion was monumental. Saul went from being a persecutor of Christians to one of the greatest believers who ever lived. And you can find his story in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. Or this particular story, I guess. So Saul was traveling and encountered the Lord to the, on the road to Damascus. And Saul knew very well who Jesus Christ was, but he didn't believe that Jesus was the Redeemer promised by God. While on his way to Damascus that day, he was going to capture Christians and take them to prison. And instead, Saul, Saul, that's hard to say, Saul saw Jesus mm-hmm. for who he really was. Jesus redeemed him. Even though Saul had brought so much persecution to the early church, he was redeemed by the love of Christ. And shortly after this, God changed Saul's name to Paul. After Paul's conversion, he had so much love for Jesus, and he was responsible for spreading the true gospel of Jesus throughout the world in his time. And another great story in the Bible about redemption is the book of Ruth. I really like this one. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a quick summary on this one, too. So a Hebrew family moved to a foreign land, and Ruth married into that family. Tragically, all the men in this family died. So Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, had to move back to the land of Israel. Ruth then became a foreigner in a strange land. And she loved her mother-in-law and wanted to help provide for her, so she went to gather grain in the fields. And while she was there working, she met the wealthy landowner, Boaz, and he happened to be a near kinsman to Naomi. Ruth explained her situation to Boaz, and he discovered there was another family member who was even closer, an even closer relative to Naomi. And as a closer relative, this man had the responsibility to care for Naomi and Ruth. He even possessed the right to marry Ruth if he wanted to, but he neither wanted the responsibility nor the right. So Boaz asked the closer kinsman if he could assume the responsibility for the family and the right to marry Ruth. The closer kinsman accepted, and Ruth joined Boaz in marriage. It's a beautiful love story. Mm -hmm. The Bible calls Boaz the kinsman redeemer. He bought the responsibility to care for both Ruth and Naomi, as well as the right to marry Ruth. And even though Ruth was a foreigner, this redemption into the family of Israel put Ruth into the lineage of King David and the Lord Jesus Christ. God foreknew all of this. Ruth and Naomi, they didn't know. They put their trust and faith in God, and he redeemed what they had lost. And he's doing the same for us now. He's redeeming and renewing all that we have lost, all that the enemy has stolen from us. Mm, That's good. That's where we're at this year. Yep. You know, everything that God is showing us for 2023 has to do with words that contain the prefix R-E, re. You know, if you look at the prefix re, looking ahead, like, in the, the future, it refers to beginning anew or to retell correctly. And if you look at the prefix re looking to the past or backwards, it refers to the word recall. So I'm thinking of the verse in Revelation 21, 5 through 6, where John is writing about what we have to look forward to. And he says, then the one sitting on the throne said, see, I'm making all things new. Right for these words are true and faithful. And then he said to me, these things have happened. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. To anyone who is thirsty, I will give the water of life. It's a free gift. And then I look in, in verse uh, Isaiah verse 46, 8 through 10. It says, do not forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember this, you guilty ones. Remember the things that I have done in the past. For I, am alo- I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. You know, so as we look to God in the future, he tells us of the good things that are coming, right? Right. And as we look to the past record of God and his actions, 
We can see that God always takes care of his people, past, present, and future, and that he can truly be counted on to do what he says he will do. That's right. You know, God seems to be showing us through these words that he's renewing, resetting, restoring, reinvigorating, and redeeming his people in this coming year and in the years to come after that. In redeeming his people, he is either giving back what was taken or stolen from us or revealing what has been hidden from us. We're going to get all that. Yep. Yep. Yes, yep. Laura. And you know, part of the restoration that's coming applies to what's going on in our political system. Yeah, all of that's going to change. God deals not only with the corrupt individuals and leaders, but he promises that justice will one day come to the entire broken system that perpetuates injustice. Praise God. Yep. Yeah. Because we know the big picture. We know that Jesus forgave his accusers, overcame sin and death, and ultimately triumphed over forces of darkness that sought to bring him down. Right. But it wasn't some incidental sideline issue that Jesus called out their corruption and injustice throughout his ministry. Because the kingdom of God will be characterized by justice and good news for the poor. The kingdom of God will be a place where people boldly hold their leaders to account because that is what is right and good for those who are downtrodden. And we hold on to his promise that those who oppress the poor, lead through corruption and violence, will be held accountable. Yes. Justice is mine, says the Lord. We don't need to carry the burden of that corruption anymore or allow bitterness to fester because God holds it in his hands. Yeah. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. To speak of Jesus' blood was an important first century way of speaking of Christ's death. This death points to two wonderful truths, redemption and forgiveness. Redemption was the price paid to gain freedom for a slave. And through his death, Jesus paid the price to release us from slavery to sin. Forgiveness was granted in Old Testament times on the basis of shedding animals' blood. Now we are forgiven on the basis of shedding of Jesus' blood. He died as the perfect and final sacrifice. That's mm-hmm. good. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Grace is God's voluntary and loving favor given to those he saves. We can't earn salvation, nor do we deserve it. Nope. No religious, intellectual, or moral effort can gain it because it only comes from God's mercy and love. That's mm-hmm. right. Without God's grace, no person can be saved. To receive it, we must acknowledge that we cannot save ourselves, that only God can save us, and that our only way to receive this loving favor is through faith in Christ. Yeah. So good. You know, as we're focusing on redemption, I'd like to share, you know, what needs to be redeemed to the church. Now, I've always had a heart for the church for a long time, and I think it became a passion in my heart about the same time God called me, you know, to that place of intimate prayer with him about the, about the year 2000. Yeah. Which makes sense to me now that I think about it because he called me to prayer and he puts a burden on my heart, you know, to pray and intercede for the church. You know, it's like, I'm calling you, I'm calling up my troops. Yep. You know, and Mm -hmm. I need to to put you to work. He's been preparing the troops for quite a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've mentioned before that, you know, when God called me out of what I've always known regarding, you know, church and what I'd always been raised to believe. Right. He gave me this vision and I saw a huge tree that had been planted in the ground with deep, deep roots reaching way underground. And then I saw God pulling up that tree, roots and all, out of the ground. That tree represented me and how God was taking me out of what I'd been planted in all my life and was taking me to know and understand, you know, the more that God has to offer his children. But this wasn't just a vision for myself. This was a vision for where God was wanting to take all of his people. And he brought my attention or woke me up between the years like 2000, between 2000 and 2006. And it was about a year later in 2007 that we left our denomination and we went on a discovery journey that led us or me, you know, to where I am now. And it wasn't easy, you know, just to leave everything that I'd ever known and understood about God and and move on to wherever he was taking us. Right. I mean, it was really hard. And um, I knew that going backwards wasn't the right answer, you know, to go. And only moving forward would get us to where God wanted us to be. Yeah. 
So this moving forward in what God wanted to introduce to us was a big step of faith for me and my husband and our boys. And the responsibility weighed solely, you know, on us as parents, of course, and our boys went along with us. But it was uncomfortable for them too, you know, leaving everything they'd known, all their friends and all the people they grew up with. But it was really freeing for all of us. It was the right decision. Yeah. You knew. Yeah. It was hard, but it was the right thing to do. Right. right? God blessed and honored that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just bring all this, you know, example up, you know, as you take your steps forward in faith that God is, you know, wherever he's calling you to go, it won't always be a cakewalk. Right. But if you, you know, keep moving forward and trusting that he knows what is best, you're going to reap the rewards and the blessings that come from living a life of faith. That's what it's all about. That's right. Right? You know, I've seen many people leaving the church. I've seen firsthand in my family and in, in, in many other families a discontent with the religious practices and the religious routines and the religious programs that are designed by man and not by God. Yeah, I have too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we all have. Yeah. Yeah. I've observed, you know, this myself, you know, in seeing how mechanical church services have become. Yeah. You know, you're ushered in, you sing a few songs, generating emotion and worship to God. You hear a sermon that possibly, you know, give you a point or two to take away for that day or that week. And then you're ushered out at the end of that hour. They make it really easy for you to come in, participate in worship and walk out the door with no accountability. Right, right. Now, I'm not knocking, you know, everything that takes place in most churches, you know, but there's so much more yes. that God wants to point pour yes. out. It's the more, it's the more. Right. We need to do more. Right. He wants to pour out more on his people that just can't be attained through that kind of a routine setting right. that I described. Yeah. And so I'm saying, you know, am I saying that you can't get anything from these type of churches? No. Yeah. Obviously not. Because, you know, people are giving their lives to Christ all the time in the right. services. But what I am saying is, is that there is a whole lot more that hasn't been introduced to God's people and been snuffed out over the many, many years by eliminating a time for the Holy Spirit to move in the way that he wants to move. That is so true. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's been such a restriction. stop him all the time. Right. Right. With their religious spirit. Politically Mm -hmm. correct. People having their own opinions instead Mm -hmm. of not letting God do what he's supposed to do, like you said. Mm -hmm. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, am I saying that things have been watered down and reduced to an artificial level within the churches? Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have all the answers. But what I do know is that my life has been dramatically changed just by going deeper with the Lord on my own and seeking out other ministries that invite the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to work without the inhibitions of religious routines. Right. You know, I feel like we're limiting God when we have the same old routine week after week, month after month. I mean, yes, there should be an order to the way we do things, but really, it's more about what we just talked about. It's about making room for the Holy Spirit to come in and do what He what needs to be done. Yeah, right, right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, God is a God of order, right? Right. But we have to follow His order, not and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You think of the Holy Spirit as the director right. of that order, exactly. And if you follow His leadership, you're going to be doing it His way, and it's going to be successful, right? Right. So it's just what God revealed to me, you know, about desiring those fresh words from the Holy Spirit each day. Yeah. God always wants to give us fresh revelatory words from him and try not to produce something manufactured on our own. Right. It's just like the Hebrews when they were in the wilderness, you know, after leaving Egypt, God provided what fresh manna for them to eat each day. Yeah. They had to go out each day and collect the manna that they needed for that day only. If they tried to store it up, it became maggot infested. And they had to throw it out. Yes, yucky. It was very stinky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and people were mad because those people disobeyed. It's yes. Like, because of you, what it you stinks doing? in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So God gave them very specific instructions to only take what they needed for each day. His desire was for them to trust him every day and depend on him to give them exactly what they needed. Right. That's faith. That's right. Yes. That's why the words God gives us gives me each day you know, I've, I've entitled it because he told me, he said, call it manna from heaven. He chose that title for me, and he showed how, you know, to rely on him for everything. Yeah, and she, she writes every day, and she has that on her website. It's very good. It's good. Almost every day. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's good. Yeah, when I received this word for the, for the new year from the Lord, I was excited, but it also made me want to dig into what he's really saying. What does redemption mean in the eyes of God? 
and you both have talked about this already, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go into it a little bit further. So I found another definition on redemption, and it's from the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And I, I like what it says. It says, repurchase of captured goods or prisoners, the act of procuring the deliverance of persons or things from the possession and power of captors by the payment of an equivalent. Ransom, release as a redemption of prisoners taken in war, the redemption of a ship and cargo. So let's process that for a minute. Repurchase of captured goods or prisoners. Doesn't it feel like we've been captured or held prisoner in a sense over the past few years? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Held back. Right. Freedom mm-hmm. has definitely been stripped away from us, right? Yep. And if we continue down that path, more and more of those freedoms will continue to be taken from us. But God's going to repurchase all that has been held captive. Everything. So good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then the definition goes on to say, the act of procuring the deliverance of persons or things from the possession and power of captors by the payment of an equivalent. Hmm. <laughs> it sounds like God is about to procure the deliverance of all people or things from the possession and power of our captors. We all know who the captors are. Right. Yep. It goes without saying. Um, and just in case you wanted to know, the definition of procure is obtain something especially with care or effort. That's how our God is. Yep. You yes. know, he's going to do he it He won't leave anything undone. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So exactly. hold on to all that information for a bit. I'm going to go a little bit farther here. It said, through my research, I found that the word redemption comes from the Latin word redimere. And it means to liberate, to free, to emancipate, and to redeem. Any one of those words should get you excited. Yeah. But I want to look a little bit further at the word redeem. So I also found this definition in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And again, Laura and Susan both talked about this earlier, but um, I just want to dive in a little bit deeper here. So the definition reads, to purchase back, to ransom, to liberate or rescue from captivity or bondage, or from any obligation or liability to suffer or to be forfeited by paying an equivalent, there's those words again, as to redeem prisoners or capture goods, to redeem a pledge. Mm. So it's very similar to the first definition I gave you in redemption, but I love that the definition of redeem says that we will be liberated or rescued from captivity mm-hmm. or bondage. Mm-hmm. And both of these definitions also mention paying an equivalent. So captivity and bondage, we're going to be rescued. That's what that word means for this new year, redemption. God is going to yes. liberate us, liberate, free us. Mm-hmm. He's going to rescue us. Right. So that's going to happen. That's going to happen. We're ready to break out. We're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we mentioned before, God is going to redeem all that we've lost and more. He's going to set us free from the evil that had been holding us captive in so many different ways. God's so good. Yeah, He's just yes, so he is. good. Yeah. You know, and because of that captivity, we haven't been able to be the people we're supposed to be. Yes, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We, you know, we don't have the freedom to to do and say and right. you know, put the mask over your face. It's so many. Right. Oh, we, I, we could go on and on about that. But even more than that, you know, it'll be uh, a freeing from the captivity of even the religious mindsets the that mindset, we've had and, and the, the religious. Oof. Right, right. It'll be a, a, a breakout and the Holy Spirit will just take over and I'm like, let's go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The division will go away. Right. We're so divided. Yes. Let me read something from Mark 16, 17 through 18. It says, these are the signs that will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons, they'll speak in new languages or tongues, and they'll pick up snakes with their hands. Even if they drink any deadly poison, it won't hurt them. And they'll place their hands on the sick, and they'll recover. Yeah, it's good. So what Jesus was describing here was how his people would look to the rest of the carnal world and how they would stand out from the rest. They would be a people that walked in supernatural ways, just like the God that they served and represented. And when you look at the lives of Jesus' disciples, do you see them demonstrating these miraculous works? Yeah. Yeah. They even raised people from the dead, just as Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You know, in John 14, 12 through 17, it says, I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will be able to do do what I have done. But they will do even greater things because I will return to be with my father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do that so that the father will get glory from the son. Let me say it again. If you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments that I have given to you. I will ask the Father to send you another helper, the Spirit of Truth, who will remain constantly with you. The world does not recognize the Spirit of Truth because it doesn't know the Spirit and is unable to receive him. But you do know the Spirit because he lives in you and he will dwell with you. So according to Jesus' own words, we, us, 
we should be doing, or should I say teaching, all these miraculous things as well within the church and definitely outside of the church to bring the true kingdom of God on the earth. Right. Jesus demonstrated to his own disciples how to pray, and in his prayer he says, let your kingdom come and let your will be done as it is in heaven. Our job as God's people is to bring the things of heaven to the earth and build his kingdom here on the earth. Right. Yes. You know, so in my opinion and in my gut, I know we're not being the church that represents God's kingdom here on earth, and we have come far from what it was once in the beginning. Right. You know, yes, we give to the poor and we help those in needs, which is what describes religion. Right. We share the good news of Jesus Christ, but we're definitely not demonstrating in the vast majority of our churches today this power that he's talking about. Yes. If the church were demonstrating the miraculous power of God, you wouldn't be able to have big enough buildings to contain all the hordes of people bombarding those doors of the churches. Right. I'm just saying it right now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it makes me think sometimes we three have had backgrounds in teaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're studying to be a teacher, you know, there's they always like revamp the education. Yeah. The right. last time I was in it, which me is too. ancient, was core curriculum. Yeah. And so all the teachers had to le- learn this new curriculum right. and yep. then learn Same how to teach me. it, right? And I just think we just keep trying to redo the message. Mm-hmm. But the message is so simple with right. Jesus. Right. And it's, but we just try to fudge it all up and make it mm-hmm. something new. It's the authentic Jesus, mm-hmm. right? You know, and the, and it's more powerful when we just keep it the authentic message of Jesus it's, and do it his way. Yeah. Keep it simple. Right. Yes. We are so overcomp our world is so overcomplicated. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everything is so complicated. And that's the enemy. It's mm-hmm. he's just trying to cause chaos. Yes. So you, good. You know what I see is that there's been a theft to the church over many, many years by the enemy introducing to church leaders a watered down version of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a knowledge of Jesus and a knowledge of his word, but it leaves out one of the most important key elements, and that is a demonstration of the supernatural power that was given to us as believers by Jesus being raised from the dead. Right. Yes. The power of the Holy Spirit being demonstrated by Jesus, you know, what is what drew the crowds in to Jesus right. and, and then later his followers. It wasn't just words from someone's mouth or words written in the Bible, but that power is also demonstrated right in front of them so that they would come to believe. Right. So if Satan can keep us lulled to sleep by demonstrating the great, you know, to the greater church that this is all there is and that there's nothing more and the church continues on its routine and on this same path, more and more younger people making up the next generation will leave the church because they see it doesn't have the answers that they've been searching for. And where does it's, that leave us? It's like watching a pendulum and yeah. then you just fall asleep. Right. Back it's, forth. It's, back. Where does that leave us? If more and more of our, our young keep falling away from the church, that means the enemy is just going to keep taking more ground. It's our future. Right. 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 And the church becomes less and less. Becomes obsolete. Right. Exactly. So, you know, many of the churches copy what the rest of the world does. Right. right. And they, they look exactly like the world. You go, you know. Uh, you go into church services, and it's very concert-like worship services. You know that they do draw in crowds, right, with their performances, but they lack the demonstration. What we need to be demonstrating is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, and people walk away looking for something truly real that will change their lives forever and cause them to walk with God and leave the world behind. Right, and I want to yeah. say there too. You know, the the concert-like worship services. It's a fine line, but there's nothing right. wrong with that, with representing God by worshiping like that. Right. As long as that's not the only reason you're drawing in the crowds. Right. The crowds need to be drawn in because, like you said, the Holy Spirit's presence needs to be in there and, and change is happening. Mm-hmm. So if you're lining up with that, right. and because those people are talented, they're gifted, mm-hmm. but if you're lining up with what the Holy Spirit's doing, then, oh my goodness, just think about, like you said, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have enough room in, in the churches. The walls... That had to be torn down. We'd have to have services outside, right? And be and let that worship be led by the Holy Spirit, and yeah. not. I know they have to practice and do their thing, right. you know. But when when something is anointed, yes, by the Holy Spirit, 
it, it's a whole different message that comes out in those words. Right. And and each one of those people that stand on a stage and sing need to spend a lot of time in intimacy with the Lord so right. that when they do yes. lead worship, that intimacy and that presence it's and the flowing. power, it comes out and it transmits to the yes. congregation and they receive it. And they all come into a spirit of unity and worship to the Lord. But I know it's hard. You know, I understand the the rigorous schedule that people are on and right. church services and all that stuff. But I'm saying something's going to have to happen it that goes, breaks it that cycle. To, right. It goes back to that. We talked about it. I don't remember. It's a few episodes ago about Dutch Sheets and, and uh, Chuck Pierce. Uh-huh. It's talking about the anointing in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the Holy Spirit's flowing right. and the anointing's flowing in the room, you submit to the highest anointing, whoever God is flowing through, right. and then all the other people that have giftings, it will all just line up together. It's mm-hmm. all about being submissive right. and allowing that to take place. Mm-hmm. And then the the schedule, the times, the, all that goes out the window. Right. The Holy Spirit knows what people have to go do for the day. Yeah. He knows. Right. But when he's flowing and he wants to do something, none of that matters. Right. So right. it's about it submitting to that. I think when the, and this is just kind of looking way, way out there, and, I, is, and I guess yeah. and prayerfully looking way out there, I just see church services continue to go 24-7. Yeah. People won't want to leave because right. of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is so strong they can't. They can't pull themselves away. Right. They don't want to. Right. They want to stay in that anointing. Right. And I think that's what's coming. That's really beautiful. It you is. know? Yeah. That's you what know, I'm hoping for. I yeah. remember um, a time even we attended service, and for some reason, w- the electricity was on, yeah. right. but for some reason, the, in- the instruments couldn't sound mm-hmm. through the... So they just... The lead singer just sang... By himself playing his guitar, yeah, right, and it was so it was really it was beautiful, and it was spontaneous. You yeah. know, it wasn't meant to happen. That exact same thing happened at our former church that we were at, and I was like, that was one of the best worship service we've ever had in a long time. It was just a cappella. He's playing his acoustic guitar, and I'm like, yes, and you could hear everybody's voices. It wasn't drowned out by all the sounds and the smoke machines and right. all that stuff. <laughs> it was just beautiful, <laughs> and it was real and genuine, and I loved it. Yeah. I love yeah. that. That's good. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike the messages in many churches today, as we're talking about this, mm-hmm. yeah. the prophet Isaiah's message cut right to the heart. Yeah. And Bring I, him, Lord. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And I want to read this article from Bible.org, and the title was God's Redemptive Plan for Mankind. Yeah. It talks about Isaiah, who was considered to be one of the greatest prophets. In the beginning of his ministry, he was well-liked, but like most prophets, he soon became unpopular because his messages were hard to take in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he lived in the southern kingdom of Judah about 200 years after Solomon's kingdom was divided. His culture was very corrupt. Wow. No the, surprise there. <laughs> no. These ancient Judeans burned up their children in worship of idols. Wow. They were corrupt in protecting the rights of those in the right. They had corrupt rulers and paraded their sin before God in a defiant manner. Twisted as they were, they learned to. They then tried to fool God through a hypocritical religion that observed his feasts and ceremonies also. It all made the Lord furious. Mm -hmm. Isaiah warned them to repent, but the Lord tells him up front that the Jews aren't going to listen. The Lord is so mad at them that he decided to place a veil over their minds and hearts. Isaiah volunteers to carry the message anyway. Boy, yeah. he's bold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We have seen that our culture in the 21st century is very similar. We, too, burn up our unborn children and parade our alternate lifestyles in God's face. Yep. We, too, often think that if we attend church, etc., that God is satisfied and we could live the way we want the rest of our lives however we please. Yep. We all know history repeats itself. That's yeah. We're at now. Right? And in Isaiah 35, 1 through 10, we read about the joy of the redeemed. Mm -hmm. Without reading all the verses right now, I'd like to bring attention to verse 3. It says, Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped 
Then will the lame leap like deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Wow. That's good. Isn't that good? We need that. Yes. Yeah. Verse 8 says, And a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in the way. Wicked fools will not walk on it. No lion nor ferocious beast will get up on it. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransom of the Lord will return. That's good. Yeah. Isaiah delivered a message of judgment on all nations, including Israel and Judah, for rejecting God. Although there had been glimpses of relief and restoration for the remnants of faithful believers, the climate of wrath, fury, judgment, and destruction has prevailed. Now Isaiah breaks through with a vision of beauty and encouragement. This chapter is a beautiful picture of the final kingdom in which God will establish his justice and destroy all evil. Mm -hmm. This is where the world, the redeemed, can anticipate after the judgment when creation itself will rejoice in God. This passage, chapter 35, describes the day when life will be peaceful at last and everything will be made right. This is so encouraging to hear. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. God reveals his redemptive plan through his word so we can be confident that he will remain faithful to redeem us during these evil times. Yeah. I think all of us are looking forward to this, as we've said numerous times. Yeah, for sure. Romans eight twenty two to 23 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Yes. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. All of creation groans longing for redemption. Redemption is necessary. Yes. When life gets hard, we tend to say that we need a break. Yes. When we really need, however, is redemption. Instead of gaining a momentary respite from the madness that surrounds us, redemption is the promise of God to deliver us from the power and presence of sin. Sounds too good to be true. (laughs) Yeah. That the world used to work this way before Adam and Eve fell in their rebellion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Prior to this, they had unbroken fellowship with God and dominion over all creation. There had never been a better time than this. But will there be? Uh, Yeah. I believe in there will be. Jesus made we made the line. Yeah. So we have everything that Adam and Eve had. Yes. The lineage, yes. Mm-hmm. The Bible envisions a day when these broken relationships will be forever restored. God's people will inherit a new earth that bears abundant food apart from the sweat of their brow and without the threat of thorns. No one will feel pain or cause others to feel hurt of any kind as their tears have been eternally wiped away. Yes. Death won't haunt the living as lambs will rest with wolves. Best of all, God will dwell with his people. Nothing unclean will be able to enter the new creation. There will be no trees that trick or serpents that tempt. Worship, not worry, will characterize the family of God in a world without end. In a word, this fallen world will be redeemed. Redemption is the reversal of the fall. If we don't recognize that we ourselves are the problem, we will continue to make God the scapegoat, Yep, which is exactly what we did by killing the God-man on the cross. That's right. The crucifixion of Jesus, one we see as the Son of God, was a devastating prophecy that humans would sooner kill God than change themselves. Yet the God-man suffers our rejection willingly so something bigger can happen. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. That's so true. It is true. We can be really, really mean. Yeah. It's you know. sad, mm-hmm. sad because I see it all the time. Yeah. Well, that's because of sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. All right, I want to share one more redemption story, and it's the story about the prodigal son in Luke 15, verses 11 through 32. This story was told by Jesus when he was here on earth, and I think it's amazing that it's still so relatable today. The story is about a rich man that had two sons. So one day the younger son went to his father and asked for his inter- inheritance because he wanted to leave home. He wanted to make his own way in the world. And after a while, the son, having spent his money unwisely, he ran out of the inheritance his father gave him. There was also a famine in the land he was living in, and he didn't have enough food to eat. He was desperate and went to work for a farmer feeding pigs. He then realized that it would be better to return to his father's house and ask to be a servant to his father than to eat with the pigs. So when when he neared his father's home, his father came out to meet him. The older man had been watching and waiting for his son's return. The father was thrilled that his son was home and welcomed him back, not as a servant, 
but as a son. His father threw this big party, had a feast prepared for his son. He gave his son a robe and a ring to attest to his position in the family. Though he had gone away, his father accepted him back, fully redeeming it, redeeming all that he had walked away from. Mm -hmm. So how many of us have prodigals that we're praying for that we are willing to fully redeem if they would just come home? That is how our God feels about each one of us. If we would turn away from sin and turn towards God, he would welcome us with open arms, fully redeeming our hearts and minds and everything that we have lost. That's how much he loves us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, my youngest son was once a prodigal and has since, you know, had a supernatural encounter with Jesus that caused him to change his way of thinking and, and return to, you know, having an intimate relationship with God. Yeah. But when he walks into churches today, he sees something entirely different than what he encountered with Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, he loves God. He loves his relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you know, speaking to him and showing him how to live, but he can't stand going to church. A lot of people feel that way. You know, what's wrong with that picture? Yeah. You know, what has been stolen from God's people that needs to be redeemed? Right. This is what I see that Jesus is going to bring, you know, back to his church, his ecclesia. Right. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 18, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Amen. So what is coming to God's church is a returning to what was, what's was, right? A returning to what the early church demonstrated in Acts chapter two, a returning of people whose hearts burn and yearn for more and desire the more of God. I believe in the years to come, that there will be an outpouring of God's glory, like I was talking about before, right. on his church, causing the prodigals to return and causing the hearts of his people to be set on fire, walking in the power and presence of God, becoming the greatest representatives of God's kingdom that the world has ever known. In Joel 2, 25 20 through 29, it says, I will compensate you for the years that the locusts have eaten, the swarming locusts, the creeping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cunning locusts my great army that I unleashed against you. In that day, you will eat plenty of food and always have enough. So you will praise my name, the eternal one, your God, who is merciful to you. Never again will my people be shamed among the nations. Return to me and you will know that I live among my people, Israel, and that I, the eternal one, am your God and there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed among the nations." Then in those days, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Your children will boldly and prophetically speak the word of God. Your elders will dream dreams. Your young warriors will see visions. No one will be left out in those days. I will offer my spirit to all servants, both male and female. Mm, that's good. You know, I bring out this verse to represent that our God will restore to us what was stolen from his people and restore to us what sets God's people apart as great and desirable by all nations. By restoring us, we will be blessed and walk in the power and the presence of God, bringing many, many people into his kingdom. Yep. The greatness of God has been missing for many generations, and he will restore what's been missing. And I'm so ready for I it. I am too. Yes. You know, I keep thinking about this past year where so many of us were living in fear of what was coming because it seemed like things were only go going to get worse and worse, you know? Mm -hmm. But now God has done so much to assure us that we have nothing to fear. And he has also assured us that he will be taking care of all of it, just like you said. Mm -hmm. All of our concerns will be dealt with because he's a good, good father. Yep. Yes. And I want to share a quick word that the Lord gave me on December the 12th, last year, 2022, about redemption. Mm -hmm. He said, redemption is something I've been looking forward to for a long time. The season will be one of joy for my children. The prayers you've prayed, the tears you've shed, the pain you've endured, none of it was missed. We heard every prayer. Mm. We captured every tear, and we've recorded every pain and heartache you've endured. That's good. Mm. All of these things have brought you to where you are now, a season of redemption, a time that I am going to make all things new, a time that I set long ago, a time that I am saving my children from all the evil around the earth. I am the redeemer and I will redeem everything you have lost and I will pour out my blessings upon my children. There has never been a time like this before and there will never be another time like this one where my blessings will pour out like oil covering all of my children. I will soak you in my blessings. 
I am so pleased with you, my Ecclesia. Look up, for your redemption draws near. Isn't that encouraging? So good. Such a good word. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. So for this new year of 2023, God gave Laura a word about renewing her hearts and minds and resetting his church. I can't wait for that. Me neither. He gave, yeah, he gave Susan the word invigorate, refresh, to give life and energy to us. And we so need that right Mm -hmm. now. And he gave me the word redemption. He's going to redeem us by rescuing all of us from captivity and setting us free. And... He will pay us back for all that we have lost. And knowing our God, it will be more than we could ask or think. It'll be an overflowing cup. Yes. 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 That's good. So that's what we had to look forward to this year. Our God knows all that has been going on around the world. He heard our prayers as we cried out to him day after day, and he is coming to deliver us in a mighty way. We have so much to look forward to. So many good things are headed our way. So keep praying, have faith, stand on his word, and continue holding the line until it's go time. Hopefully it won't be much longer, but no matter what, God will sustain us like he always does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He will give us all that we need to make it through this war we have been battling for a really long time. All right, it's time to close. And I'm excited about next week's episode. It's another word the Lord has been speaking to the three of us for the past couple of months. And it's titled, The Old Has Gone and the New Has Come. Yep, and we just want to close with this scripture today from Psalm 111, 9. It says, He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Yes, and today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. We thank you so much, Caitlin, for all that you do. And we also want to reference Richard Rohr's book, The Universal Christ. And we mentioned a few articles, so we will put the links in the notes section of this episode. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. We just want to thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. We would love to hear from you, so please email us at puretruthpodcast3 at gmail.com. All right. Yes, and please visit our websites. Mine is kathyzaka.com, laurapotter.us, and susanoffin.com. And we just hope you'll join us next time. And remember, in the meantime, live thirsty. Love it. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you and give you his peace. Until next time, Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with ElectroCast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of ElectroCast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join ElectroCast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.